of the Moon Podcast. I'm Bryce McCracken. I'm Y Van Dyke. He's gonna do a bit. Fuck. Gonna do a bit. What is the most you've ever lost? Shut up. On a coin toss. Sir? The most you ever lost. Well, I don't think I can this is, say. <laughs> this is too long. No, do the whole thing. Oh my god, he brought a prop. Call it. Well, I gotta know what we're betting on. For those who are not watching, I just flipped a coin. Everything. I gotta know what I stand to lose. You stand to lose everything. I didn't put nothing up. You have been. You have been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. All right. Heads. <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't study this because you're not right, but I'm no. still impressed. <laughs> Congratulations, sir. It was heads. It was heads the whole time. That's awesome. I'm Brett Redshaw. Hello, Probably Brett. Peaked the fuck out of the mic there. That's all right. Welcome to the Last of the Moon podcast. Today, we will be talking about No Country for Old Men. We needed an Instagram clip. It better be it. You wish. <laughs> Wyatt, you're back. I'm while. back. It's been... Like five episodes, probably. I've just been everywhere. Just two. But here. That's true. You were here even for one of them, but uh, the timing just hasn't worked out. But we're back. We're back. The three boys are back. Welcome. Happy to have you here. Like I said, today we will be talking about No Country for Old Men. Uh, Brett, this was your pick. We did a poll on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Last of the Moon Pod so you can vote on the movies that we talk about. Uh, Brett, do you want to talk about? What this movie is, why you picked it. I would love to do that because I love this movie. And thank you to all of our fans who picked my movie to be in the pod, the next one that we did. We were having a conversation about it. Like, do we feel a little bit like a little bit spiteful whenever <laughs> our choices do not win? And I know that I personally am like a little bit of a baby about it internally. I would never I would never say anything, but like I picked no country for old men. I want no country for old men to win. And that's what happened. So I would have been happy with any of these, frankly. That's also true. I mean, I've never, um, we all have good taste in movies, in my opinion. So I would never be upset at having to watch like either of the other ones, any, either of the other ones that you guys have ever picked. But, um, this feels, it feels nice to get my pick. I feel a little extra recognized. So thank you all for that. Have you guys ever put up a movie and then just known for a fact it's going to lose? Like yeah. you're just like, this is, there's no shot. This gets I mean, big. the, um, what's the movie called? The ghost. The ghost, a ghost story. story? The yeah. Ghost I knew story? that there was no shot that that was winning. Well, I, I, to watch it. I never heard of that one until you had brought it up to us. So it's like, you know, if uh, you know, people don't at least know what it is, but that's kind of a shame. Cause like, I would like to watch that movie. I'd like to talk well, about it. Well, we still can. It's a good. It's also a respectable loss. People did vote for it. Yeah, they, that that is true. You shouldn't feel bad about that at all. At any rate, No Country for Old Men is a neo western uh, directed by the famed Coen Brothers, known good makers of movies. It stars um, Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin. He's going off the top right now. Men in Black Man. God, I kn- Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. I knew I was going to do that. It follows uh, Llewellyn Moss, a uh, a classic, you know, gun-toting countryman uh, who's on a hunting trip, 
and he comes across a considerable amount of money. And uh, this ends up becoming a big goose chase uh, where Javier Bardem's character is now hunting him down for this money. And Tommy Lee Jones' character is kind of this uh, this wise old sheriff in a town that is, uh, you know, kind of blowing past him as he's getting older. But he's trying to keep up and save this young man who he knows is, is kind of getting himself into uh, waters that are too deep for him to swim in. Uh, because Llewellyn, and it's, it's, Llewellyn is constantly on the run where he's being chased by uh, Javier Bardem as well as we find out later some uh, some gangsters the cartel the cartel he's uh, he's and constantly on the run and 19 it's, uh, pit bulls too <laughs> <laughs> 19 pit bulls yeah he's constantly on the run uh, getting himself into trouble and it's uh, it's a thriller with some like uh, surprisingly um, horror genre elements into it it's very cool it's very thrilling it's a really exciting movie uh, one of my favorites that we've gotten to do on the podcast I love it a lot where are you getting the horror element? Um, I, I wouldn't say horror elements in like the traditional sense of like genre film, but in the sense that like Javier Bardem's character is terrifying. And whenever you see him on screen, it's kind of like everything else in the movie that has any bit of air to it. Just kind of like it gets sucked out of the, out of the room. You're scared of this man. Everyone should be scared of this man. And, and <laughs> Josh Brolin says, like, what is he, some kind of ultimate badass? <laughs> Which is accurate. How many times have you seen this movie? <laughs> uh, well, actually, only twice now. I was going to get into that, Fair too. Enough. It's not a like the most rewatchable movie to me. I, I didn't realize that until the second time watching it yeah. through. Because the movie is so thrilling and there's a lot of um, suspense, it works best on the first time that you see it. It's one of those like what I wouldn't give for the first time watching this again kinds of movies, uh, which is just to say that if you haven't seen it yet, please do. It's a high recommended for me. Why have you seen this movie? Have yeah. You seen it? Um, I have weird connections to this movie. Oh yes. You did. Mention um, that. I can't wait to hear more about this, but I've seen it before. I watched it probably during quarantine when I was watching like a ridiculous quantity of movies. Uh, I agree with Brett's take that it's got elements of horror because it's scary. That's the element of horror it has. It's <laughs> scary. That's valid. What can you can you talk about your connection to this movie that you pointed out to us while we were watching? Um, so I have family in Texas, and this is all filmed and set in like West Texas. There's mentions of towns like Alpine and whatnot in the 1980s, um, which is like far, far like border of Mexico, three hours away from the closest city, like Midland, Odessa, Texas. And that happens to be where I have family and they have land out there. And there's some pretty prominent scenes in this movie, including the opening that's shot in this like large Canyon where there's this big shootout and that's all my uncle's land. Um, so all of that's just filmed there. That rocks. Uh, and then there's not a, it's not a spoiler to mention this one character that is killed off pretty early in the movie. Javier Bardem's character pulls over uh, this dude and Javier Bardem, uh, a.k.a. Anton Chigurh, is pretending to be a police officer and pulls over this man who's so confused and then kills him with, like, a cattle gun. And that dude is my uncle's friend and banker. And so, like, we watched a clip of this movie with my grandparents, and I forget the dude's actual name, but my grandparents are like, oh, we had dinner with that guy, like, last <laughs> week. 
He's really nice. You just watched him get shot in the head. Yeah, you just watched him get shot in the head. That so. was actually my next question. I was wondering if you knew his name for a quick shout out. Uh, I don't off the top of my head, but um, yeah, it's weird. It's just like, oh, this is a place I've been, like I've driven through that scening location or that uh, shooting location. Um, so it's Very cool. shot in the head location. Funky, Ayo. funky to see, but shout out Morpha, Texas. <laughs> uh, yeah, like like both of these boys were saying, this movie is very very well made the coens are very good at making movies i i think i think i probably lean more towards liking fargo more it's honestly very similar to this movie i think it's just maybe a little bit more fun but this is like technically a masterpiece if you can put that title on movies like i genuinely cannot really find flaw with it the way that it builds suspense is exceptional rivaling the best suspense movies i've ever seen I like like Brett said this movie it, it doesn't feel crazy rewatchable. I watched this movie for the first time in 2017 when I first started really like diving into movies and I knew that this was one that I had to watch and I remember liking it a lot then but this was the first time I had watched it since then and I wasn't really sure what to expect. I mentioned when we were starting up the movie that I really didn't remember where the story went at all. And frankly, I did not remember the movie being as, not not to say dark, I mean the movie is very dark, but the whole movie feels like pretty cynical to me, and like cold-hearted, like there's there's not really a light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't know if that's my cup of tea per se, uh, this movie is awesome, like definitely love watching this movie, it's so, so good, but in terms of like a movie that I want to just like throw on on a Friday night. I will not be turning to this. I think of something like Inglorious Bastards, which creates suspense in a similar way where there's like this all threatening, almost like all knowing feeling character and there's dialogue happening or something to that extent. And you just know like something is about to boil over and Glorious Bastards does the same thing. But at the end of that movie, they, shoot Hitler a bunch of times and it's like yeah this this movie has like a sense of fun this movie doesn't really which I don't want to give the impression that people shouldn't watch this movie because it's exceptional and if you're into suspense movies it really does not get any better than this I think most people when they hear this movie think of Javier Bardem's performance uh, as Anton Chigurh it is literally terrifying and he's also like up there in the conversation for greatest screen villains of all time. I often hear him compared to uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. And I do have a Heath Ledger-related fun fact when we get into fun facts. Man, I have that fun fact. I will let you give it. But yeah, this movie this movie rocks. Yeah, when I first watched the movie, probably two or three years ago, uh, it's not one of those that's been in my like, my wheelhouse for a long time. I finished it, and I felt such a sense of nothing <laughs> and I don't know how else to put it. It was just like, all right, I, damn, <laughs> I'm going to bed now, I guess. And I, I, there's no way to like really elaborate on that too much without getting into spoilers about what the movie is yeah. really about. Um, but to give some sense about what the vibe is, it's not, not a happy one. I'll say that <laughs> there's like a few quips here and there that like, if you, I was much more inclined to laugh a little bit at, at parts after I'd seen it for a first time. Yeah. Uh, 
the first time I'd seen it certainly was like, man, there's just nothing redeeming or, <laughs> or enjoyable in the like lighthearted fashion. The Coens are really funny. And yeah, in my memory, I did not remember this movie being funny at all, but like we were laughing quite a bit throughout this movie, which was good. Cause otherwise this movie would have genuinely been like a tough watch. Yeah. I saw it alone for the first time. At, I wrapped up at like two thirty in the morning, that kind of deal. Brutal, and it was yeah, it was a tough one. But it, it's so suspenseful, and it's so um like if you are somebody who loves to be thrilled in a movie, it's really not that heavy on the plot. Like I usually am somebody who really enjoys thorough, deep plot, and that's not really in this movie i guess that's up for debate but to me that's that's not really here and i still love it like that's okay for me i i i just remember the feeling that i had the first time being in so much suspense almost like an uncut gems but not so stressed just like what is going to happen next how is this going to play out so if that's something that is is what you can find a lot of enjoyment out of you definitely watch this one why this question is more for you, but you haven't read the book, right? Nope. Okay. Yeah. I know that this was based on a book. I would presume you also have not read it, Brett. No, I've not read yeah, it. I cannot uh, read. We can't <laughs> we can't speak to the, the quality of the book at all, but I believe it came out not that much longer before they started working on this movie. So unfortunately we can't speak to that, but we can speak to this movie. We've now each seen it a few times. Uh, I do think it's worth noting, talking about like the commercial and critical recognition that this movie got. It was pretty successful. $25 million budget made $171 million worldwide. And it did get quite a lot of buzz at the Oscars. Just looking at the list here, got eight Oscar nominations. It won for Best Picture, Best Director for the Coens, Best Supporting Actor. Here's an interesting thing. For Javier Bardem, I feel like he's probably the lead of this movie. I don't know. You, you, you disagree. You disagree? Yeah, okay. I would disagree. It doesn't really follow. Him. I feel like he's on... Yeah, I guess now that I'm saying that, the plot is not really around him. He steals the show. In he that certainly sense. steals the show. Best adapted screenplay for the Coens, and then it also won or was nominated for cinematography, editing, sound editing, and sound mixing. I I feel like all of those are pretty valid. This 2007 was like one of the best years for movies that we've ever had. I think I prefer There Will Be Blood from this year. That's just my taste, but I mean they're both. Perfect movies, essentially. Brett, I need, do, I need do, to watch There Will Be Blood again. Okay. That's I, I only saw it for the first time probably less than a year ago at this point. I, I love that movie, though. I, I would be interested, interested to see how I feel about both of them on a rewatch. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I love this movie. I have a special relationship with it, I feel. But I also wouldn't be surprised if I do like There Will Be Blood more a second time. What else was nominated for Best Picture that year? Let us see. Also, ignore me. I have to grab something from the floor. Go right ahead. While he's looking that up and why it's getting something from the floor in an effort to find the name of uh, why it's Uncle's Banker. I shot Google Chip Love. I Google searched no country driver shot in head actor. And as you could guess, it got me no results. Good try, though. What's his name? Chip Love. Shout out Chip Love. That's a rocking name. That, that, that is an excellent that's, name. That's a good country boy name. It is. A, oh, my God. Imagine. Right. Mom, I'm going on a date with Chip Love. Chip Love. <laughs> uh, best picture for that year, No Country for Old Men, Atonement. 
uh, Juno, which is another movie that Brett suggested, uh, Michael Clayton, and There Will Be Blood. I'm taking I'm taking Juno in that. I'm not gonna lie. Damn, that's a much more Wyatt focused movie than the yeah. other two. I don't blame you for that. It's uh, a great movie. Have you all seen August Rush? Yes, we had to watch that. That was like a school school sat us down and made us watch that in band class. That rocks. I have not seen August Rush. I don't even know. I've heard of it vaguely. I, I'm not really sure what it okay. is. I'm probably outing myself as not knowing enough about that's movies not my that, movie podcast. That's it's not like a, a must-watch movie. Kid who's like homeless, then he plays a guitar, so he gets adopted. It's like yeah, essentially but, what happens. Yeah, but he like teaches himself how to play guitar, so he doesn't actually know how to play guitar. It's like very percussive. Isn't that the blind side or some shit? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, Ratatouille was also that year. Kite Runner. They turned the Kite Runner into a movie? They did. That's a great book. Is that about like Ben Franklin or some shit? It's uh, actually about <laughs> women in the Middle East. Oh. They fly kites. They love kites over there. I've always said that. Symbol of hope. I've got an important question before we get into the, the meat of this movie. Uh-huh. Have either of you ever worn cowboy boots? Uh, I've tried Oh, brother. Them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like looking at Brett's past, we know the answer there. Dog, I was born in cowboy boots, brother. <laughs> Do you hear the country accent I've been doing? Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, I have a logistical question about cowboy boots. So, like, they go on your feet. They do. It's like hot as hell in Texas. Are those not like crazy hot and uncomfortable? Have you ever worn cowboy no, boots? No, that's why I'm asking. Have you ever walked in Texas? No. <laughs> Both of these points, Brett and I can speak to. I don't know. He more the comfort, me more the walking anywhere in Texas. Um, they're very smooth. Almost depending on like the quality of the ones that you're wearing, they're they can be even like silky adjacent inside. They're very comfortable, in my opinion. They take some skill. It's a little bit of a learning curve if you've never worn them before. It's like a heel toe mm-hmm. kind of walk situation. But yeah, I I especially if you're like somebody who is. A ranch hand kind of deal if you're not dressing up like if you're not doing it for the vibes it's like a perfect boot for that scenario and i don't think that's an exaggeration like that's why they still do it sure it protects you from snakes and whatnot. it's practicality over style it's in like the parts of texas especially like where this movie is filmed uh every plant is trying to kill you <laughs> because every plant needs to like have insane defensive capabilities to survive because there's no life out there so anything that's easily eatable will be eaten uh so you can just step on like something that has like a two inch long spike that will go through the bottom of like a regular shoe sole so cowboy boots stop that from happening so i shouldn't wear my little sneakers uh you would literally you would be bleeding by like the end of the day (laughs) if you go hiking i last time i was there had to pull a needle from a bush out of my kneecap that was like well over a quarter inch into my knee so you need shit out there to keep you safe. Also, the heel provides a little bit of a divot that becomes kind of a hold. Get your boot in the stirrup, your your uh, your bronco. So uh, there's that. It's very utilitarian. I understand. I, thank you for educating me. Where would you be yeah. without us country boys? Yes, truly. Um, do we want to get into spoilers? Anything else you want to say before we... I mean, this movie's great. There's not a whole lot else to say. Yeah. Yeah, movie rocks. Please watch it. It's, this is, and again, I, I'm like very biased because I, I really love this movie, but um, yeah, we don't. There, it's not like there's movies that we generally don't recommend because every movie is like, there aren't many that I feel like you shouldn't watch, but like this is one that's special to me, so it's got the Brett stamp of approval. Check it out. 
if you're watching No Country for Old Men because you think it's a movie about anti-elderly propaganda, you're going to be thoroughly disappointed. Wait, before we, before we get into spoilers, I heard of this movie first, not as a movie. Family Guy had an episode called No Country Club for Old Men. And Rocks. that is how I heard about this movie can first. We, can we have a spoiler full plot of of that Family Guy episode? Because I, I want to know. What do happens. not remember at all. I, I don't think it has anything to do with this movie. Okay. I think it was just a country club episode, and they were like, country, that works. Yeah. That was relevant at the time. All right, we're going to move on. If you've not seen this movie and you'd like to join us in our conversation, I believe it is streaming on Prime. That's where we watched it, right? Yeah. If you say so. I think it's streaming on Prime. <laughs> uh, it's been out since 2007, so uh, get on, get, watch this movie, and join us for this conversation. What you got there, Brett? Doing the quarter to the camera. That quarter from 1958. Oh, I've never seen this one. It's a Delaware quarter. That's a, that's a state. Can confirm. <laughs> it's from. God, the year is very hard to see. I think it's ninety nine. I could be wrong, uh, but it's got a picture of um, President Washington crossing the Delaware. That rocks. So, yeah, probably not the one they used. I want to start our spoiler conversation off with how this movie starts off because it kind of is a good segue into both this conversation and the rest of the movie. we It starts off with just some like establishing shots of where they are in Texas, but you get this really nice uh, voiceover from Tommy Lee Jones. We learn pretty quickly he is a sheriff in this small town in Texas. His dad was a sheriff. They've been around forever. And the world's a-changing. More specifically, I think what is really important about this monologue is he talks about this person that he locked up and <laughs> sent to the electric chair because that was a thing that they did at this point that's the thing they still do that's like, are there states that still do that the electric chair there's states that just shoot people yeah there's a state where firing squad i think it's just utah. one state i forget okay. utah. firing squad is still in effect well he sent somebody to the electric chair and he points out like this guy killed a 14 year old girl they called it a crime of passion and the guy was essentially like wasn't a crime of passion. I planned on killing somebody, and if I get out, I'll do it again. And it, this monologue really just speaks to there is evil in the world. There are evil people in the world that are just going to be evil. And it sort of it hints at what we're going to get from Javier Bardem's character in that this guy is just, like, senselessly violent, and he has his own code of rules that we'll, I'm sure we'll get into, but... The world is shit is kind of the message of this movie, and you kind of just have to roll with the punches or the world will move on past you. Um, can we branch into philosophical discussions Please, that allowed? Let's get right into it. Do you agree with that take? Do you think like violence is inherent in like nature, or do you think it's like the product of an environment? Like is it a genetic disposition or is it a you had shitty parents type deal? I am not smart enough to answer that question if I'm being totally honest. I, take your best fucking shot. None of us have a PhD in uh, psychology. Man, it's like, I don't know. Uh, okay, here's my thing. I grew up being told that like everybody is inherently very evil. Um, and for reasons that like as an adult today, I don't believe in, i.e. being gay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. Obviously, I'm alluding to like the way that church views this specific topic. 
and what they often say is like, well, you don't, you don't have to teach a, a two-year-old how to say no. They just say no because they, they know the idea of saying no. In my opinion, that kid isn't evil for saying no. They're just a kid. So I think that lots of other uh, variables come into play for something like that, such as you know, uh, you becoming a product of your environment, the systems that are in place. So, like, you know, I think that if we were living in a utopia, there'd be a lot less evil. But, yeah, it's not like I don't think it's something that we're ever going to uh, in our lives or in any lifetime. It's not like something that we're going to ever see be extinguished evil because there's always going to be people here and there that probably do have some kind of genetic disposition. All is to say that, like, people are good in general. And that's my take. Yeah, I definitely lean more towards the average person is good. But if the take of this movie is there is evil in the world no matter what, I think I can definitely agree with that. I mean, violence is an inherent part of nature. I mean, you were just talking about how violent the nature of Texas is. Like, animals fight each other. The earth fights the animals on it. Violence and that sort of thing I think is always going to be inherent. Where I differ, I think I lean much more towards, like, this evil exists, but it is our duty to fight back against that or to be the light, <laughs> to be a positive influence on the people around you. This movie is pretty cynical, and when we get into the ending, I think there is somewhat of a light if it's just like eventually you move on and you die, and there is death sort of takes you out of the pain of the world. But yeah, I, I, I do feel like I agree with that. <laughs> I'm kind of rambling. Wyatt, what would you say that you've done to fight evil lately? <laughs> I just cleaned sewage water off of uh, the coffee shop floor that so, I worked at. Well, the basement floor. What was evil? The, the sewage itself? Property, property damage, uh, I okay. would argue, is the evil. Anything to protect capital, baby. I love Amen. protecting capital. Bryce got mad at me because I honked my horn at somebody who literally. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, if that story occurred as Bryce told it, I can genuinely tell you how you're going to die. <laughs> yes. And it's a road range. Like, that's not, that's not even like a bit. Like, someone will kill you for if some, you do that. For, for some context, there was a very large vehicle in front of us, and someone tossed a water bottle out the window, which don't even need to say like last of the absolute moon is against literally. yes like literally scum of the earth behavior throwing water bottles just out and about but where <laughs> brett and i disagree brett decided that the solution to this was to just lay on his horn for 30 seconds and flash his high beams <laughs> and i was like brett fucking stop you're going to get us killed like i know people that have died in road rage incidents this guy is not going to stop littering because Brett is being obnoxious behind him. Like, what do you hope to solve? Gotta, like, what do you what do you think is going to happen? I'm not going to solve anything. You got to stand up for something. I'm standing up for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He's going to stand up for like a bullet fired into his car. Keeping my home clean. You know, it's personal. Uh, but I understand. I understand why you wouldn't want to get killed in a road rage incident. That doesn't sound fun. Littering and road rage are certainly evils that exist in this world. <laughs> And I feel like we should talk about Anton Chigurh because he is sort of like the embodiment of 
the negativity and the hate and the evil that this movie is trying to portray. And I don't think this movie would get it across nearly as well if it were not for Javier Bardem's exceptional performance. Before either of you share your thoughts on it, <laughs> I do think it's funny. Javier Bardem is very opposed to violence. He does not like violent movies. Wyatt pointed out earlier, he's done a lot of children's movies. This is drastically different than the types of projects that he usually chooses. But he was pretty determined to work with the Coens, apparently, and so it was like, all right, I'm just, just going to do it. So he did, and it, we were left with a pretty exceptional performance. Is there anything specifically that you guys want to talk about with, with Anton Chigurh? Please, Wyatt. Is this dude fucking Spanish? Is he Hungarian? Is he from Central America? Uh, I did look into this because he has like six different accents throughout the movie. Javier Bardem himself is from Spain. Yeah. But uh, there is an interesting theory posed that Chigurh is close to like Segur, like the Spanish verb for to follow. Mm -hmm. He being a hitman who follows people throughout the whole movie. Was that an intentional choice? I think is an interesting concept, which was an interesting question I stumbled upon solely on the basis of trying to figure out where is this dude supposed to be from? Yeah. I genuinely don't know. I've seen almost no Javier Bardem movies. This is like one of three or maybe four that I've seen, but he was in Lyle Lyle Crocodile. I gotta give, I gotta <laughs> that give him rocks. that. Remember, he probably played a similar role, I would guess. It's crazy that he doesn't do mo more movies where he like leans into being a villain. Because his two most notable movies are Skyfall and oh, yeah. No Country for Old Men, and he kills it in both of those. And then he's just like, you know, I'm going to be in some kids' movies. What like, he's that? built for this. What was that movie? Oh, Being the Ricardos. Did you watch that movie with me, yeah, Brad? Yeah, I did. Uh, did not like that movie, but uh, he plays Desi Arnaz in that movie. Which, like, he does a fine job playing Desi Arnaz, but Who is the that? movie, the husband of Lucille Ball from I Love Lucy. Uh uh, I loved watching him in that movie. I thought he was actually one of the best parts. I agree. Like, him and Nicole Kidman were both great, I thought. Just uh, everything else about that movie. Yeah, everything else about the movie was pretty bad. Uh, but he, it was really fun to watch. I, I wish I could speak more to his like acting prowess, but all I can say is that I like him a lot. Yeah. And he obviously like kills the role. I think that the role is carried a lot by the writing and direction of it because the the Cohen brothers certainly like had a, a huge, if not like complete hand in creating the character and establishing who it was going to be and how it was going to be played. And I think that um I think that Javier Bardem just did a great job of executing it. So like huge props to them. Like it's it's incredible. Yeah, this movie is crazy well written. Like genuinely whether the movie is trying to be funny whether it's trying to be suspenseful whether it's trying to be emotional like every single line of dialogue in this movie is memorable i mean you just quoted a, a whole scene from this movie off of seeing it a couple times but like genuinely there are just so many good lines so many funny lines but i i do want to speak to who the character of anton Chigurh is i i kind of have a take i don't know if you guys will agree with me but it almost feels like he's death incarnate like a representation of death the whole like coin flip thing it feels very reminiscent of how like death can come for anyone if it's your time it's your time and multiple characters throughout the movie that know who Shigor is mention like he has rules 
but nobody seems to know what they are. He doesn't even really seem to know what they are if he's like leaving it up to chance who he's going to kill and who he's not. I feel like he does have it. Like, I feel like his rule is very clear. I was well, he certainly doesn't lie. Yeah, I thought he's just like a man of his word. Like, he just yeah. says a thing and he did. I feel like there's multiple scenes where that's just like his one guiding principle. Like, in yeah, that's valid. Yeah. But like, we see with that scene where he pulls the guy over, he could just threaten this man and take his car. He could beat this man up and take his car, but he just kills him and gets him out of the way. He could do the exact same thing. He could just shoot the guy that runs the store and move on with his day. He clearly has no hesitation or qualms about doing that. But he's like, I'm going to leave this one up to chance just because. And I like the idea of the, the last scene here and throughout the movie, I guess, as well. There are a lot of themes of like the new generation taking on the old generation that dies and moves on and death in general and how it can kind of just happen to anyone. And I like the idea of Shigor representing that <laughs> in that, like nobody can kill this guy. Like he gets away at the end, right? Yeah. Like there's no stopping him and multiple characters try multiple characters say there is no stopping him. Like you will not escape from him in the same way that you can't escape from death. So I don't know. That's kind of how I interpreted it. I don't think it ultimately matters, but that's kind of how I perceived his character. How the hell do you think he got arrested to start the movie? Like, that dude was in police custody. Which, first off, if he's, like, a noted criminal, they're just letting that dude chill in handcuffs, like, not locked up, which is crazy. That was my first note <laughs> the of the guy's movie. guy's like, yeah, I got this all taken care of. And he gets choked out. But it's like, who got him locked up? Like, how did he actually, how was he apprehended? I'd like to get back more into what this movie does well, but I think that's a great segue to nitpicks. I don't have many for this movie, but that is certainly one of mm-hmm. them. This whole time I'm like, this man has killed 25 people. How many has he killed before the, the camera even starts rolling? Like, why is there not a larger police presence throughout this movie? Like, why is there not a multi police force task force trying to capture this man like they know who's doing it there's no question that it's anton shakur killing all these people why are there not more people than other than tommy lee jones involved in this this manhunt for him like that that feels very ridiculous was it necessarily true that they know yeah, him? yeah they because know woody, him. woody harrelson knows him nobody none of the police force ever say tommy his lee name. Jones Isn't knows it woody too. harrelson like fbi too no i think he's He's a private investigator. He, I don't know about private investigator. He's like a he's like a freelance. I'm gonna get the job done guy. Well, what's that building that he has the meeting with that Chigurh ends up shooting that dude in the neck? It's not like it feels explicitly said, but it is like there is a corporation that is in the middle of this drug scheming. Like yeah. Woody Harrelson says at some point that one of their floors is missing as kind of a nod to like I know what you're doing here, and it's because the the like front the giant storefront in this corporation is also doing drug stuff. So that's it. I don't remember what we were talking about. Woody Harrelson is like a good foil to Javier Bardem's character in that they're both kind of just like paid hands. Yeah. Like they both work for the same person. Like they're both tasked with getting this money back. It's just like they all have like their own sub motives and their own ways of doing things that put them at odds. To talk more about the 
Anton character. I think that you're spot on in him being death, or at least like that makes a complete sense. I think that's completely a reasonable take. And even when I think about the character, I do think of a like more of an entity than an actual human being. Yeah. I've heard him described as post human, like in the form, but doesn't have the same uh doesn't have the same like ways of functioning that a regular human being i.e. absolutely no empathy, uh, just cold killer tendencies, etc. And everyone knows who interacts with him that it's like this is somebody that you don't get out of a, out of a conflict with when he has you in his sights. It's, it's over for you. Uh, which is to just say like he is this bigger than life character to every area, every person that he touches uh, he just spreads this fear wherever he goes, which to me makes him this this entity more of a of a legend than a real than a real being. So I think him being almost like otherworldly makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that's one of the reasons why like he stands up as this memorable character because it's so even though it's absurd, it's also believable with the way that he's portrayed. Like you also have this fear strike struck into you that this town, the people who were talking about him, uh, the fear that they have, you kind of share in that. And it's very memorable. Yeah. And we don't know where he comes from. We don't know where he's going to be yesterday, today, tomorrow. Like he is just going to kill you. If he comes across your path, it's also crazy that like, I understand he gets the job done and there's no one better to get the job done, but whoever's paying him did not consider like, they're also paying these Mexican cartel guys. He kills as many Mexican cartel guys that are working for the same person <laughs> as he does people just standing in his way. Well, that's that's the thing. I think I do refute your nitpick a little bit about like his his presence and his notoriety because I think that in his Anton ways of being able to elude all trouble and confrontation that he's also made a way for the the people who would hypothetically be out for him to not even be able to chase him. Like I think Woody Harrelson's character is probably the closest that anybody has ever gotten to really getting a bead on him. Mm-hmm. Right. So that explains and even he can't stop him. and he can't stop him. So that explains why, like obviously this company wouldn't just hire the guy that obviously goes and kills half of the people that are also their employees. He's just completely evasive at every turn. Uh, both of my other nitpicks are Woody Harrelson related, if you would like to hear them. Are we doing nitpicks now? Yeah, Cause, uh, let's do it. Okay, cool. We can get back into more movie stuff, but I I refuse to believe that Woody Harrelson would find the case. Like, I think it's implied after leaving the hospital, he's like, all right, I'll just retrace his steps. But there were a lot of steps. And, like, he doesn't just, he's not just, like, walking down where what's his face was walking and like sees it on the side of the road. Like he literally climbs up onto the, the rail that he did as well. And like looks down and sees it. It's like, I, I don't buy in the thousands of feet or the thousands of yards, the countless miles that this man has traveled, that he ends up exactly at that spot and looks exactly where he disposed of it. That's a little bit silly. I don't know how it plays out in the book, but I don't like that. Yeah, I also haven't read the book. 
but I had this as an nitpick as well. Not even I didn't even think necessarily that that I was going to talk about, but just in a general sense, there are a lot of things that these guys get to the points that they get to as they're hot on the trail that is not really explained and makes just no conceivable sense how they could have possibly gotten here. <laughs> I would like to know if the book uh, elaborates on that because it, if it does, I want to know how they figured some of this stuff out. I initially had how did the Mexicans end up at the motel as a nitpick, but they actually did explain yeah. that. Yeah. Do you have any nitpicks, Wyatt? Uh, two of them are both Pitbull related. Let's go. Uh, one, I think it's Mr. Worldwide. Uh, stupid that this movie subscribes to anti-Pitbull propaganda. <laughs> they use them only as violent vehicles. Those are some lovable boys. Two, at the beginning of the movie, they use a specific dead Pitbull as a reference for... I have dropped my ring for the third time this podcast. I'm getting really angry. They use a specific Pitbull as a reference to like time passing. Like They keep showing mm, back to yeah. him in like further and further more decomposed states. I don't want to see that. That's fucked up. Don't make me look at that. I just want to, I want, if a dog's in a movie, I want him to be a good boy. I don't want to see him shot. I don't want to see him swimming down the river trying to eat Llewellyn Moss. I just want a dog to, to vibe. I'm mad at the pit bulls and how they were used. In general, dogs be vibing. Dogs be vibing. That's true. This is the second time pit bull propaganda has come up on this podcast. I can't remember what the other instance was. I was probably also speaking out against it. I hate when pit bulls are demonized in media. I think you dreamt this. I can't. No, it's not even slightly ringing a bell. It definitely happened. Well, I trust you. Uh, My other nitpick is just that Woody Harrelson is not in this movie enough. Uh, He's a lot of fun, and he's only in this movie for like ten minutes. It's a nitpick in that I want to see Woody Harrelson on screen more. I like his character and I like his performance, but also I'm just like, do we really need him in this movie? I would say no. I think actually, my when we get into worse scenes later, he's actually like the star of the worst scene that I had in my opinion. Cause I think it like, like you said, is not completely necessary. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I would be totally fine without him. That being said, I do really like Woody Harrelson. He's great. I, I am overall glad that he's there. Definitely doesn't need to be there. I, for some reason have this weird thing with Woody Harrelson. I don't know if it's just cause it's like the first movie that I remember seeing him in. Anytime I see him, despite the fact he's a extremely accomplished actor in numerous movies, and he does great in a lot of them. Every time I see him, I go, this is a guy from Zombieland. This is a dude you in Zombieland. Seen, you ever seen Zombieland? No, actually. I love Zombieland. What? Yeah. I watched that like religiously in middle school. I watched that movie like upwards of 15 times. Is it's, it just because you were a Walking Dead fan? Uh, that was prior to my... Or no, that was in the middle of my dead era. That's right. But um, <laughs> Dead era. Um, 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 but no, it's just like... Did you die? Yes. <laughs> uh it was just always on direct TV. It's just like one of those movies they throw on. It was on a lot. Yeah. And so I'd always have to watch it. My brother bought it on DVD and it was the first rated R movie I'd ever watched. But I, that's definitely PG 13. Like, unless the TV cut is PG 13. I, unless I'm thinking of a different movie. I don't think it, it is rated R. Oh, all right. Wow. All right. Yeah. I specifically remember being very exciting, being very excited to like get away with it. What was, was like, Go ahead. Sorry. I no, no uh, I, that was pretty much it. What were you going to say? What was your first rated R movie? I do not know. Uh, although it's strange when I, I was like anticipating that question. I was like, what, what was the first rated R movie I watched for whatever reason? I remember the first rated R movie that Matt watched because I remember he was allowed to watch one before me. It was the aviator friend of the podcast. I don't know the aviator. It's, um, but dude who aviates. Yeah. 
or not the aviator or is it the aviator top gun no the aviator is the um, aviating? leonardo dicaprio movie i'm thinking of it's probably not at all important um oh air force one. Oh yeah okay what's that about uh, air force one <laughs> that's like the whole how is that rated r it's a plan <laughs> i thought you were making a joke <laughs> no, like what, what is uh, it's it? like a Harrison Ford thriller. There's like okay. action and stuff. I've not actually seen it. Do you guys know that there's like a Navy one and like a Marine one, and they're all just different types of air, like craft, whether it be air or For car? For the president? Yeah. That rocks. They're like a helicopter's like Marine one. Uh, I have a nitpick. Please. There is just no precedent for warrant searches in this movie. <laughs> Every single time that uh, like the cops go to to check out a place, which is like often, they do it very illegally, and nobody's stopping them. Nobody's ever like, "Hey, you can't do that." Even in the eighties, they still weren't allowed to do that. You're setting me up on a T, make fun of cops, but I'll let it slide this time. Well, cops I was were gonna, very likable in this movie. I was gonna say I was gonna mention that too because we were talking about like what it's setting up in the beginning narration, and like there's there's a lot of like you know, pro cop stuff here and there. And like, I gotta say, I was like locked in. <laughs> I was ready to, I was ready to put a thin blue line on my Instagram story. Yeah, you were. <laughs> because uh, like Tommy Lee Jones is so lovable whenever he's in the diner near the end. And he's like these green hair liberals. <laughs> I just, I couldn't help but be like, yeah, man. Oh, they're taking over. They're ruining my God fearing land. This is a really great movie for cops because it really showcases what they do in uh, not solving crimes. Um, <laughs> he doesn't fucking help anybody. He's just like nice to his wife sometimes, which is a thing cops don't usually do. Amen. Statistically, um, very much statistically, they do not do that. 40% at least of cops do not love their wives. <laughs> but he's just like, oh man, this is uh, it's pretty pretty rough out here. That might also be part of the message of the story where it's like these... Even though they're likable, these cops are also shitheads. Really like, bad. They're at their breaking job. the rules. They're not good at their job. They're frankly like not even great people. I mean, like they care about each other and they care about other people, but like the the warrant laws are in place to protect people, and it's like they kind of throw them out the window because it's like oh, they have their own thing to do, and it's it's like that is a part of the world is kind of shit, but it's also like. I feel like the the police and more specifically Tommy Lee Jones character is an example of like, this is what the shitty world does to you. Like it kind of gives you this air of like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm just going to do my best. I'm just going to go in here. If I, if I die, I die. Like I love the line where he walks in to, uh, into the trailer and he's like, his partner is like, you, you're going to draw your gun. He's like, I'm right behind you. <laughs> he just never actually pulls his gun out. Does drink a man's milk in his own home, though. Yeah, that Unprecedented. Rocks. That rocks. Does not rock. Imagine someone came into our home, drink your milk. He's not coming back. He's got two million buckaroos. That's whatever. He's never returning to that house. I would never steep to steep. I would never stoop to that level. You guys got more nits? I'm a lot of nits to pick. Um, this movie's, like, pretty good. Hmm. I got one. If you don't have Please? one. Please? So, the second motel that Llewellyn ends up in... He talks to the the hotel tender, or whatever the the bell, tender. not the bellhop, the uh, the the you host, just like a receptionist, like yeah, a that front guy. desk person, the front desk person. He's like, "How much is a room?" 
First of all, it was 26 bucks. That rocks. That's crazy. But then Llewellyn is like, he's like, hey, here's some incredibly fucking shady information. And not, now not, I'm not asking to do anything illegal. And now I'm going to stay here. And like, I don't want to get into all detail. I don't want to get into all the details of what they were talking about, but just know that like what he proposed in this situation was incredibly shady. And this man's like, obviously are in the spoiler section, very illegal. No, it's just like not worth all the <laughs> detail. I did. There's just... no world where this, there's no world where this man is ever giving this dude a room for $26 after what he just said to him at the front desk. What year was this movie based on? I believe 1980. Yeah. I was going to say seventies. That was another thing I wanted to talk about. Go ahead. We cannot leave this topic. You say $26. I did just calculate for inflation. If it was $26 in 1980, that's $96 today. That's like a good hotel. That's like a, that's a going rate. And also, if someone said some weird shit to me while I was just doing service work, I'd be like, okay. Like, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna challenge the man that's clearly threatening in that moment. It was 1980. Also, a hundred, he gives him a hundred. Yeah. It's a lot of money. And like, he's not, again, he's not asking him to do anything illegal. He's like, Hey, if anyone checks in, call me like that's, that's doable. About the year I did the math because Anton says that the 1958 quarter has been traveling for 20, 22 <laughs> years to get here. That's a hundred would be $370. Someone tipped me $370 at work. I guess I'd probably make stab like, the next maybe a customer. little bit over minimum yeah. wage. Okay. New nitpick. You guys are shitheads. I don't like Amen. you anymore. New what nitpick. Was I Brett doesn't understand inflation. <laughs> I don't even remember. We're all over the place. There was something that I was going to change the subject with, kind of. Worst scene, best scene? No. Quick shout it out. It was relevant to what we were talking about. Mm. Oh, well. I hate relevancy. You see that up there? The thought. Floating out of your head. It's gone. I'm not going to see that. You're making fun of him because he's neurodivergent. Because his brain isn't. You bastard. Hold on to thoughts. So well. I want to be clear about what Wyatt's saying. I'm absolutely making fun of you for being <laughs> neurodivergent. Do we want to do another category? Sure. Let's do uh, Let's do quick shout out. Let's get the energy back up. Oh, man. Quick shout out. If you don't know what quick shout out is, it's the category where we talk about the quick shout outs that we have about the movie. You won't know what we're talking about if you haven't seen it. So. Go watch it, you psychopath. Amen. Get to enjoy these shout-outs with us. Quick shout-out, being mean to your wife in a sexy way. I have a similar quick shout-out, but I just phrased it differently. Uh, quick shout-out, telling your significant other to quit their hollering. Amen. Quick shout-out, storing a gun in your ass. Fuck, motherfucker. My <laughs> first one is quick shout-out, putting a gun in your ass. You guys <laughs> both took my top two. My bad. You... Neither of you can fucking speak. Guarantee you I, I have I don't another think one. You need to be this angry. I'm shout mad. out riding bitch. Quick shout out having the dumbest you, fucking haircut I've ever seen. Who? Oh, oh, Anton. 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 Yeah. That's uh that's the other way you can know nineteen eighty. Uh I have riding bitch, but I was gonna say it like riding bitch. That's fair. I wish you would have. You should have had that one. I'm Here's sorry. one I bet you don't have. Quick shout out calling screwdrivers Scroogies. <laughs> yeah, that rocks. <laughs> that fucking rocks. Quick shout out saying hails bales. Uh quick shout out breaking into a home and drinking a man's leche. Okay, I had milk next though. Yeah, I also had that. Everyone breaking into your house and drinking your milk. Quick shout out bringing weenies to the crime scene. Quick shout out being a nom. Uh quick shout out racist coyotes. Quick shout out casually knowing a lot of welding facts. You guys remember that he one? Didn't, he did know a lot of welding facts. 
He uh, can weld anything. What did I say? <laughs> um, Good, what? I have to make him up on the spot now, now that all of mine are fucking <laughs> gone. Keep quick, going. Quick shout out, knowing a man every which way. <laughs> quick shout out, the contest between man and steer. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. <laughs> quick shout out, drinking a beer outside to preserve your marriage. I don't remember that. I remember that. This is the, the woman at the poolside. Oh, She offers yes. to bring the ice cooler out to save his marriage. Apparently in the book, she's like a, a much more central character like there are scenes where he's just hanging out with her i always wanted more from her apparently because he's hanging out with her and is relaxed puts his gun down that's how the they get the jump on him uh quick shout out no wait i already said that quick shout out knowing exactly what cowboy boots you want when you walk into the store that rocks certainly quick shout out crossing back into america by being vaguely patriotic (laughs) quick shout out saying i got the cancer (laughs) And then dying of that cancer. The grandma rocks. Yeah, quick shout out your mother-in-law being the reason you die. Also her fault. The, gra- the mother-in-law's fault? Yeah, she spills all the beans. Mm. Yeah, she tells them where they're at. Forgot about that. I'm done. I got all my I'm quick all shout out. outs. Thank you. That was a quick shout out. I, woo, woo. I remember thinking, this is a great quick shout out movie. Some are just better than others. Yeah. A fantastic quick it, shout I out I really movie. think it has to do with how creative the writing is because it's like almost all of those were referencing just amusing lines from the movie i'm gonna say that and i'm also gonna say just the south in general yeah that's got a lot of quick shout southern people are funny that's true just from being southern i don't know if it's like a laughing at them or laughing with them though that's like an issue two jobs ago i worked in a call center essentially and i fielded calls from all over the country and it's the most Southern people, I'd say, like not just people who are from Pennsylvania and have like a relative country accent, the most actual Southern people I've ever talked to on the phone. And it was very eye opening as to how many people in the world really have that accent. Like that's just that's that's just who they are. A lot of people in Texas. Not just faking it. Not just (laughs) they're not faking it. Me doing a little bit. It's really what they got. Crazy. it's really ridiculous how quickly you can slip into it if you're like surrounded by it too. I, as a person from Wisconsin, notably don't have a Southern accent. Literally a week in Texas last year, and there was multiple times in the middle of a sentence of talking to someone with a Southern accent where I'd slip up really bad <laughs> and just like have a drawl out of nowhere, which is a sign. The faster you pick up an accent, like a regional accent, is an indicator that there's a connection between... Uh, speed of which you pick up an accent and low IQ. Um, so it means I'm stupid. Fascinating. But it's just so easy to slip into it. I think it's the way we were born to speak. And yet <laughs> us stupid Northerners reject it. Uh, I don't think you're stupid, Wyatt. I was telling Wyatt earlier, speaking of accents, his wife, Llewellyn's wife. I have a wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wyatt's wife. What is her name? Shout out Juliet. I'm uh, trying so bad. She keeps saying no. It's irrelevant. Llewellyn's wife. Carla Jean. Yeah, Carla Jean. Scottish woman. Wow. The actress is Scottish. Huh. They're never, saying it's the Texas of that. the British Isles. Um, I always I, I will say, and this is not just to act like I knew secretly what was going on. I always thought that her accent was like not even necessarily her accent was weird, but just the way that she talked was a little like it was always off putting to me. And that would make sense if that's why. I just never thought about it that way like i would have still believed that she was you know a regular old country woman 
Can I insert a random fact here because there's no place to put it? I mean, we have a whole category called fun facts. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do fun facts. Why? Hit me with it. There's 16 minutes of, mu- of, of music in this whole movie. I did notice that. 16 minutes is crazy, though. That's, That's including nothing. credits. Uh, they did that because they're like, what if the whole time you were anxious and we just made it silent a lot of the times so you'd be stressed and yeah. it worked? Yeah. Yeah, movies are often so reliant on score to create a sense of tension. And this movie, it just flexes so hard. It's like, yeah, we don't even need to do that. Like, you're going to sit in the same silence that the characters are. I genuinely don't remember a single piece of score from this movie. There was, like, if there was music, it was, like, in tune to things that would stress you out. There's one scene where, I forget where it is, but there's, like, a clock ticking. And Mm -hmm. the music is set to the clock ticking to, like, keep you on a pace to freak you out a little bit. The Cones have talked about it before that it's very strategic where they decided to put any music, like Wyatt was saying, as a way to increase thrill and stress on the viewer. So it's obviously done very well. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine any other job field just being like, I want the people consuming my product to be anxious? Like, (laughs) what if I walked into the the coffee shop tomorrow and was like, what if I made everybody in here really fucking scared? Like, what if I just like, kept doing things that made them think that I was going to like fuck up their drink and then didn't like, it's not approved of there, but people making movies can just be like, what if I just freak raised your heart rate a bunch? And that's crazy. I don't I'm think jealous. it's that unreasonable. I do it every day in it every single day. <laughs> Whenever when I'm working or what? when I'm working on someone's computer, if like the slightest issue goes wrong, I'll just start screaming. <laughs> I'll slam my fists on the table. Just make it very uncomfortable for them. Throw stuff at the customer, that sort of thing. I hit someone before. <laughs> Today. Twice? Yeah, right in the face. That rocks. Right, you said you had some uh, fun facts. Anton's name is completely just made up for this movie. They aren't, didn't. Aren't all of our names? I was going to say, what is. No, but like, they didn't pull it from somewhere else. In the book. Well, okay. But, <laughs> I mean, like, it is. I'm confused. It, it was created to be just like, this is a name that sounds scary. That's the origin. Is of it like Brett well, Redshaw? Anton. That's like a name. This is what I heard. What I you heard know. doesn't make any fucking it, sense. Unless, unless I'm misinterpreting and they're saying that like his name, his last name doesn't have like country of origin. But well, I don't know. I had already pointed out about it's, why it's. Yeah, that's. Like, vaguely Spanish. Okay. but You guys talk about your facts. I'm going to look this up to verify. Um, I could be wrong, but this is what I've heard. This is what I've heard. Uh, this is, like, genuinely one of my favorite movie fun facts of all time. So this came out the same year as There Will Be Blood, right? The, the levels to this go far deeper. I know this fact. I forgot. This is a good one. Yeah. They were being filmed in the same town in Texas. At the same time. Uh, so much so that... There was even a day on No Country where they had to stop filming because they were doing the practice shoot for the the oil explosion scene in There Will Be Blood, and there was just a huge plume of smoke in the background of the shot they were trying to get because of There Will Be Blood filming in the background. Yeah, I also can't verify this. I heard Bill Hader talking about this movie, and he mentioned he knew a guy that was on set for No Country for Old Men. And again... Absolutely no verification for this fact whatsoever. It's it's one of those, like, came from a guy who came from a guy who came from a guy. Didn't we all? 
<laughs> Bill Hader's friend was apparently like, yeah, we were on set filming the car crash scene at the end of No Country for Old Men, and they, this person came speeding by on a bike, like a motorcycle, and he was like, get out of my way. And that person was Daniel Day-Lewis, apparently. Big emphasis on apparently. I fully just choose to believe that it's real because it's such a good fact. Like, it, in my head, that definitely happened. <laughs> and I could see it happening. I don't know why. It just it makes sense. Daniel Day-Lewis has, has not been one to... He's, he's not known for caring about other people's feelings, necessarily. Kind of just like, hey, I got work to do. I haven't seen There Will Be Blood, but I just looked up the filming locations, and I've been to, like, 90% of where that movie is. That rocks. Okay, I have no verification that my first fact is real. I don't know where. Whatever. Whatever. I don't care. Was it the Heath Ledger fact? Oh, your name fact. Yeah. I don't know where you got that That's, from. That is like a. I really All like, of our names are made up. I, I'm confused. I feel that my I'm credibility actually... is shattered. <laughs> How could anyone trust what I've said Brett, ever again? Make the argument that Brett isn't a made up name. <laughs> hit, hit us with it, Brett. The. The idea that my name isn't made up? Or my next fact? No, I won't argue your case. For the Anton thing? No, for, for your Brenna. name not, not being made up. I didn't ask. All right, we got to move on. He feels bad. Brett, I'm sad. I'm... Hit us with the Heath Ledger fact. I've got this one too, but you're welcome to have it because you're sad. Fucking government's you... given hands. Genuinely, you. before you go, you... I, could, I could pull... Shots from every single one of our podcasts where your hands are just, where your your face is just in your hands. You do this every time. What is the Heath Ledger fact, Brett? Please. Heath Ledger got offered the role for a little while first. He turned it down. He won't spend time with his daughter. That's it. Okay. Say it was some fucking authority, man. Is this almost over soon or like what's going on? Heath Ledger was almost Josh Brolin's character. And Heath he Ledger said no. was almost Josh Brolin. They almost shared bodies. <laughs> they almost shared bodies. All right, I'm done crazy. with this bit where I'm sad. I'm back. Also, along the same lines, the dude who plays the the sheriff or the sheriff's deputy, I think it's yeah. Dillahunt. Uh, I forget his Something first like name. Garrett, like Garrett Dillahunt. I know him for being in Fear the Walking Dead, the Walking Dead spinoff show. Show that only Wyatt has watched. I actually, actually watched the first season. Extremely oh, really? successful. <laughs> um, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Um, but. He was offered the, uh, he was the stand-in, like the go-to if Javier Bardem didn't take the role for Anton, which was like a this close to happening situation. And then Javier was like, you know, we ball. And I think it worked out well for all parties. Another fun fact, uh, there was a psychiatry study in 2018 that named Anton Chigurh the best example of psychopathy in film. That rocks. Tested like 400 movies. And they were like, yeah, this guy is the best example of what a psychopath is. The lack of empathy and that sort of thing. Do you have the list of the other top characters? Because I No, I do not. Norman Bates would probably be second. Did somebody watch all of those movies to decide? Uh, I don't know, man. Probably a committee. Just a fun fact. There's like at least three psychiatrists. It's a rocking job if that's what they did. Because that's a job that I want. Yeah, this dude's psycho. I don't know. Next movie. You got to look into like working in research. It's crazy. You can just do anything and say it's for science. Yeah, that's true. They don't pay you anything, but But you get to do fun shit. They'll give you money to give to other people to do the fun shit. And then you just get to watch. Um, As somebody who now works in academia, I've gotten to have some firsthand experience with the money that flows around with that kind of thing. It's kind of crazy. 
There's money in research. Most of it does not go into the pockets of the people doing the research. Uh, Josh Brolin broke his shoulder in a motorcycle accident right before filming. According to him in an interview, he was like, I was flying through the air and I was like, God damn it. I was really excited to work with the Coens. And then he hit the ground and broke his shoulder. Uh, but it worked out because his character gets shot in the shoulder pretty early on in this movie. So, I wonder how much that actually did have an effect on the role that he did play. Yeah, I'm not sure. Just makes you think who would ever buy a motorcycle? You know, they're just so... so pretty dangerous. Pretty right? dangerous. There's so much injury that could occur from one. Just like a frightening concept, you know? We've established that I live life on the edge, buying motorcycles, uh, honking Informing at, technology. Honking at uh, ne'er-do-wells, if you will, on the road. It's like who Batman. I, I was going to say, he's Pittsburgh's Batman. <laughs> Except I have no qualms about killing a motherfucker. I'll do it. I'll do it right now. <laughs> Don't litter in my city again. Uh, favorite scenes? Oh, I had it written down, but I slammed my iPad in disgust. Wyatt, do you have a favorite scene? Oh, I know my favorite scene. All right, just interrupt Wyatt. It's fine. I mean, he was so frank. He was inhaling to start speaking. Okay, Wyatt, go ahead. No, I don't feel like it's right anymore. My favorite scene. (laughs) 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 Okay, that's fair. Somebody speak, please. My favorite scene is where Tommy Lee Jones is going in the one building because he's gone back to the scene of the crime. He's looking for Anton. And it is implied that Anton is in the he's he's in the room. He's on the other side of the door. He's waiting for Tommy Lee Jones. Right at the end. You as the viewer, you are shitting your pants. Because the movie is set up that you cannot predict what is going to happen. And he ends up, he's not really on the other side of the door. They do it so well. It's amazing. They make it look like he's there, but he's not. He's on the other side of a different door. And you realize that you're a little bit silly. But uh, you got fooled, and uh, it's very suspenseful, very cool. That's my favorite scene. Nice. I'm going to go with probably the whole, it's like not a favorite scene, more like a favorite sequence. Yeah, that's fine. The the second hotel where they have the shootout, yes. where they're actually shooting at each other, and the, a mano-a-mano situation, uh, because it further establishes, damn, this dude is fucking insane on the sticks. Like, this guy can wield a weapon like no other when he pops off on that that random driving man <laughs> the, where yeah. you're like oh Llewellyn has escaped the situation then that dude just gets got in the neck like whoa that's ridiculous insane but also obviously it's been like the 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 luster has worn off a little bit on it because it's the most frequently shown scene in this movie uh the coin flip scene is like the best example of tension in a movie ever. I've watched but, that scene so many yeah, times. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen YouTube. it 900 times, so it feels like trivial to pick that as my favorite scene, but it's the best scene in the movie in yeah. terms of actual, like, wow. Yeah, I've got the coin flip scene, but I also have that hotel scene as my honorable mention. Wait, real quick, Wyatt, when would you say the last time you went mono mono was? Hmm. Like, does it have to be physical, or can it be a verbal mono mono I believe... Situation? Uh, you define mono e mono. That's really how you see it. I've gone man versus man in a tennis match relatively recently. Okay, that's mono e mono. Mono e mono. Yeah, certainly. Uh, oh, mono e mono means hand on hand, though. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then the last Ombre time, is man. The last time I went mono e mono, and this is a really fun suggestion. Anybody listening to the podcast? When we were in Ithaca, 
uh, Juliet and I did this thing where each of us put on, well, obviously we were fully clothed, but we only had on one sock. Sure you were. Um, you had one sock on. And the whole goal is to get your opponent's sock off while maintaining your sock still on. That's a lot of fun. Uh, so we had to clear out the whole living room in our Airbnb and just like fucking fought basically. Like it was like a straight up wrestling match. Uh, I did lose, which was devastating. The jewels? Yeah, she whooped my ass. All right. Not that she like threw me around. She's just more strategic. Um, I didn't let her throw me around. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jules. that was the last Shout time. Out getting thrown around. That was the last man. time I'd argue I went mano y mano. Valid. was in a sock fighting competition. That's certainly valid. I'd take that any day. That reminds me of the leg wrestling thing. Have you yeah. ever seen that? Yeah, I like, would never do that. I feel like it feels like legs... a great way to snap an ACL. I've done it. It's fun. I feel like I've seen a video of you doing it. Probably. Yeah. I was in college. We all did crazy things. It's <laughs> true. But I specifically like in that hotel scene the when he he first decides like I should check if there is a tracker in this. Like, there's no way, right? And then he finds a tracker, and then he's like, "All right, there is a tracker. This guy is like here, probably." So he sits down with a shotgun facing the door. You get that shot of like the the footsteps slowly walking up the the hall. And then they stop right outside the door and then they carry on down and then the lights turn off. And I just love this scene because it's like every single thing that happens in this scene, you know, it's going to happen. Like, you know, he's going to shoot through this door with the the little air thing. You know, there's about to be a shotgun fight. You know, the only way out for this guy is to either kill him or jump out the window. It's like every single thing that happens in this scene is expected but it's so well made that you're still just on the edge of your seat because you're like, I hope, I know this has to happen, but I hope it doesn't. Like, I hope he just gets away. I hope Anton's like, actually, I'll just let you go, but that's never going to happen. Uh, late nitpick that I forgot to add, the shotgun thing made me think of it. Anton has a silencer and a buckshot shotgun, which as a person who literally knows nothing about guns, would never use a gun. You can't have, it would have to be a slug, but it's implied that it's buckshot. Like, if you had a silencer, it would just blow up the silencer because it sprays. But that's um, my take on that. Let me just uh, step there, in Brett. here as the, uh, the, the gun knowledge person. I actually used to compete in, like, shotgun shooting. So uh, what you're looking for is actually birdshot. That is the one that spreads. One. Uh, two, birdshot also goes down a cylinder and it's when it's in a barrel. So the silencer is just like more barrel basically. Interesting. And so that's pretty much it. I do have a gun related nitpick that I forgot though. Anton Chigor has a shotgun in that hotel scene, correct? Yeah, but he's yeah. firing from distance too. He's firing from distance one bullet. Like the guy driving the getaway car that gets shot through the neck. That's like a rifle shot, right? It like did one a bullet is shot. It did appear that way. But yeah. where'd the fucking rifle come from? He had it in his ass. <laughs> he did have it in his ass. It That's all true. comes Quick back. Quick shout out, putting a gun. It all comes back. Ass. I don't know. I don't know if it's implied that he gets shot in the neck. I mean, look, he's like relatively close. If you get shot in the neck by a shotgun, even if it is bird shot, like it is going to fuck you up and be like relatively, um, relatively precise in where it actually makes contact. But I don't know. It does seem like it's more of a rifle situation. What is buckshot then? Is that a slug? Uh, yeah, it's essentially a, it's a big shotgun projectile. It go boom. 
That's true, actually. I can confirm that it do. It do go, go boom. boom. <laughs> <laughs> it rocks. Uh, this movie kind of goes boom. Before, I, I want to talk about the ending before we get into our closing thoughts, but is there anything that we missed that you feel either of you held to talk about? Do you guys like how the whole movie was framed for like the first half and like one guy goes to a place and then the next guy goes to that same place and then the next guy goes to that same place and like a almost chase sequence but not really like everybody was hot on each other's trails yeah yeah i do it's it's a unique chase movie in that it's not just one guy chasing one guy it's like there are three or four parties all after this one individual that it it really just like makes the mountain that he's climbing trying to get away it just feels so impossible but like he's just so determined that you're like maybe maybe there's a chance but that's not the point of this movie i feel like that whole process also makes uh woody harrelson's character like near redundant exactly and then also the whole like sequence on that gets flipped out of nowhere where instead of like he's chasing anton and then all of a sudden anton like pops up on him Mm -hmm. and that whole bit is crazy but I, I think it's an interesting way to to set up a movie and to frame it in that one party just follows the like it that was another thing that it was just further anxiety inducing um because it's like oh they're getting closer because the gaps between one person being somewhere and then the next person being there were closer and closer and closer but good movie good good setup I wanted to talk about the ending the Tommy Lee Jones monologue to close it out I did say like I want to talk about the ending before we get into our closing uh, thoughts, is I'll, there anything we missed in the meantime? I, I, I did say that. I what I heard was, is there anything you want to talk about before we get to closing thoughts? Okay, but you you probably did say that. Okay, it's a little late. Don't look at me. I don't want to be judge, jury, and executioner. I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm just Brett has a habit of not listening to things that we say in this house. So I just wanted some validation. That's the main other thing you did. I in fact, to say okay. yeah. Anyway, go for it. Let's get into the, the ending. Do you guys have any ideas about what are you going ahead? He was going ahead. Now I'm validating Brett. Yeah, who doesn't listen here anymore, no, I, bucko? I, I wanted you, like you have things to say about the ending. I was like, go ahead, like say your thoughts. The floor is yours. Okay. I don't want to get into the semantics about how wrong it is what you just told me, but anyway. What, what do you mean wrong? I told you I'm not going to get into the semantics. Maybe Average. off mic, we can get into the details. This dude knows maybe two semantics. That's crazy. Uh, anyway, I w- the whole point. I just said I want to talk about it. I was just trying to ask if you guys had any ideas. I, about I have it. ideas. Okay, <laughs> but I wanted to like hear related yours first. to the ending, or just like in general. Related to the ending, what basically what his dream meant. Yeah. So to set the scene, if you haven't seen the finale of the movie it is just a tommy lee jones monologue where he's speaking to his wife he's hung up the boots uh he's done he's struggling to to be a house man busy and done with a life of almost solving crime <laughs> he's had two dreams the night prior and or he might even say that they're recurring i don't remember no he said it was just i had two so he had two dreams and he's relaying them to his wife and the first is let's see if i can remember the first, he says, I don't remember much of it because it was first. He met his dad in town, and he lost some money. I think that was pretty much all he remembered from the first one. The dad gave him yeah. money, and he thinks that he lost it. Yeah. Uh, the second dream, and he's like, he 
claims he remembers this one much better. He's somewhere in the wilderness, in the snow, on horseback. His dad is there. Uh, his dad is, like, cloaked. His head is down. And he's walking, or, I guess, riding with a old-fashioned, like, bullhorn that he's cradling a frame in. And his dad walks off into the distance, and he's like, I just knew when I walk down there, my dad is going to be there. The fire is going to be lit. And then he says, and then I woke up, and the movie cuts to black, and it's over. And I cannot explain enough how quick the ending is in that sense where you think that there's no point when you watch this movie for the first time that you're like, okay, it's about to end right now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like usually I'm wrong about that. Like, but in the other way, I, I think, okay, this is probably like, this makes sense to end. And then there's another scene that I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't able to predict was coming. When I first watched this, it was one of those, like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Which speaks a lot to like the general quality of the movie of, you know, there's a lot of like, I would go as far as to say nihilism that goes absolutely into the subtext of this movie. Uh, but yeah, that's it. He tells those, uh, those dreams and then it's over. Cut the plaque. My theories about the ending and what his dreams mean. Cause that's what a lot of people want to know. I think the people are asking, they are asking and they're asking me in particular. Everybody wants to know what my opinion is. I'm very important. His dad handing him the money and he loses it. His dad was a lawman. He is a lawman. I believe that this is a representation of his dad, like passing the torch onto his son, his career. But rather than seeing it entirely through, he, he retires and quits. You could say early in the game because he feels outmatched with the violence that's happening in the town. That's the big thing. He, he, perceives it this way he feels like he has failed and lost this torch that his dad or this this load that his dad has given him to carry on because the world is now shit but it wasn't always shit which we can talk about and in the second dream his father is waiting for him in the distance uh by a fire and he knows that he's going to get there at some point but rather than getting there he wakes up I think that that is implying like an afterlife. Yeah. And that is after his father has passed away. Um, his, his like potential future of getting there, I think would have been if he continued as the sheriff, he would have ended up succumbing to the violence of the town. He would have died and would have kind of fulfilled what this, this almost like prophecy of a dream would have been, which would have been meeting his father at this fire. But instead, he, he quits the force, and that is, in a sense, him in his waking. Mm. Yeah, my, my interpretation is very similar. Yours is actually, I think, probably more right than how I interpreted, interpreted it initially. I think I was really just, like, desperate for some kind of hope. <laughs> and the hope that I was clinging to here is still not even that good. It's just, the way I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I kind of interpreted that as like his dad is dead. He he mentioned right at the start of this monologue here at the end that he's already lived 20 years past what his dad did at that point. And I 
I feel like the flame has to be some kind of like light or some kind of hope. Like you said, though, it might just be like you get to carry this on if in his perception you die a hero, you die in the service, you die successful, and he retired a failure in his perception. But my initial interpretation was just that like the world is this cold storm that is fighting against you and you've got your little your little glimmer of hope that you have to cradle, you have to hold on to it. And when you reach the end, when you reach the afterlife, like you said, you get to light that fire. You're you're out of the cold. But he's not there yet. He's not dead yet. So he knows his dad will be there when he gets there, but he's not there yet. So yeah, even that, even if that's the case, it's like still not really all that hopeful if death is the only light. But I yeah. think it's certainly more hopeful than there is no light. Um, Do you remember what he says in the very beginning? No, go his ahead. narration monologue. He, he says to join the force is to be willing to die. Mm, yeah, in in the job that you have. So I I think it all kind of ties together that way. Side note: I meant to say this at the very beginning. Uh, the narration in the beginning of this movie is very good. Usually, whenever I hear narration to start a movie, it's like, uh, oh, "Oh my god, are we doing this?" kind of thing. Because it's like it's also only at the beginning. Right. I think that there are like very small snippets of narration, like one sentence at varying parts, if I'm remembering correctly. Don't quote me on that. Could be wrong. Anyway, it was done very tastefully well. Wyatt, any thoughts, comments, concerns, or complaints? I'm not going to lie. I watched the movie with both of you last night. Don't remember the dreams being talked about at all. Like it was at right all. at the end of the movie. It was the last thing. At all. all right. I remember him saying to his wife, talking about living like 20 years past his father, don't remember anything past that. <laughs> his I've, brain just shut off after that. I've thought about this a lot because I felt very slighted by the dream conversation when I first watched this movie. I, I didn't understand it even a little bit the first time. I feel like I have a decent grasp of it now, but especially for me not knowing that the ending was about to happen because I, I wanted more movie. Um, and for me to not have any idea what the hell was being talked about. So like it, I was, I felt very unresolved in the conclusion. It's really frustrating. So I have thought about this. A lot. Yeah. I feel like that's a good segue to our closing thoughts. This movie just as exceptional as it is. I, I don't know when after this, I'm going to turn to it again because I'm just not, this love, like, had I been more invested than I was, and I was pretty invested, but it was more from like a filmmaking and analytical perspective. If I were more emotionally invested in these characters, this would genuinely be like a very hard movie to watch. It's just so nihilistic. I think you put it best, Brett. Yeah, it's it's a great movie, but I don't know. I I, I don't know if I can say I love it because it's like I don't I don't really want to watch it again. I don't know. I'll I'll turn to YouTube and watch the scenes that I like to watch because they're really well made and they're fun to watch. But I don't know. The whole package here is just tough to get through. I guess I'm different from you in that respect. I don't know if it's because I like seek out like material and content that sometimes produces that feeling. I don't know what that says about me. But I I do love this movie. I think it's great. I don't honestly see it as like nihilistic as you do. I guess I'm just different. Maybe you're just that perspective. You know, I don't know if that's the case. But either way, I do really like this movie. I think it's great. I think it really just constitutes like a one watch, honestly. I don't think it's something that you're going to watch and go back repeatedly to like more than that. Other than some scenes. Oh, yeah, other than some scenes. Just because it's not the type of movie that's 
built to be rewatchable, but it's great. Every actor's portrayal is something that I think they did well. There's no thing, no thing. <laughs> There's nothing in this movie that um, is outwardly bad or like a thing I have issues with. So it's just successes across the board for me. A movie I enjoyed watching again, like a few years after I'd seen it for the first time. So it felt new. It's good. I'm a fan. I love the movie. I'm certainly going to watch it again, but I do agree that it's not super rewatchable. Where I find that it's going to have a lot of value in my life, I think is showing it to people who've never seen it before. Colleen has never seen it before. I'm very excited. This movie would probably kill Colleen. This movie is not a movie to show Colleen. I will certainly show it to Colleen. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, for some perspective, they like can, I wouldn't say can't handle, like that's probably unfair. They get very anxious about on screen like intensity. Like standing and pacing anxious. Yes. The way that I get whenever Chris Boswell is about to put up three <laughs> to win the Steelers a game, that is how Colleen feels every single time there is like the least bit of tension. We started watching Breaking Bad and like generally speaking, the intensity of the scenes just ramp up from the beginning. So we only watched the first episode. Probably some of the least intense moments are in that first like couple of episodes mm-hmm. and they were just freaking out, man. <laughs> Shout out being an empath. Love that call. Oh God. Um, I have a little bit of a finale. I didn't tell either of you about Hit us with it. Um, so half of the, the reason why I brought the quarter it still has the quarter. Half of the reason why I brought the quarter was for the monologue at the beginning. The other half was for us all to do one game of chance. See if we live or die and see if we would live or die. All right. All right. Why? Wait, wait, what are roles here? Are you just Shigor? Well, I I would I'm going to start a Shigur and then I want to be the victim at the end. So I'll do you two first. I'll just okay, do the coin okay. flip. You and have then, to you have to do it like he does, with it covered on the table. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna slam it on the table because that's gonna be very loud. That's valid. But catch I'll it slam it. Place. I'll slam it on my hand if I can even catch this properly. Because I've been known to. You fuck know about this my up. you know about my coin flip skills. Are you very good at I'm it? I'm a good coin flipper. Do you want to do this? Oh, we all have to do it. Go ahead. Okay. Anyway. All right. Call Call it. Call it. I'm going out the Carla Jean way. I refuse to give in to chance. (laughs) I am taking the high road and picking my own own path forward. Do you pick for me to strangle you to death? Is that what you (laughs) think? Is it implied that I thought he shoots her or something? Uh, He checks his boots at the end. I think that it means that he stomped her out. Yeah, to be brutal. to be graphic, but to yeah. be graphic, <laughs> that's unpleasant. My white pick. I'm not gonna. I'll put my boots on, Wyatt. Do it. Why play along, man? I refuse. This is not a very yes and situation from Wyatt. It's the first no. rule of improv. Big tails. This bastard. Now I'm gonna die. That's the crazy <laughs> thing. I'm gonna play along and die. Yeah. Call it. it. That doesn't count. Can Call you go it. Get it. Hey, Mickey. You gotta catch this thing, man. Well, it's not that, that hard. I'm doing it. Your privileges are taken away. You, if you're gonna flip it, you gotta do the voice. Call it. I need to know. <laughs> I'm not gonna do the voice. Uh, heads. Let's go. I'm alive. Am I be the one that doesn't make it out? That's well, you got a 50-50 chance. You should make an Instagram reel of just me leaning down to pick stuff up <laughs> this episode. It's been a lot. All right, you ready? Yep. Call it. Heads. I'm gonna let him sit on it. You ready? 
Fuck me, dude. Brad's dead. I'm pissed. This is my idea. I'm going to shoot him in the head. You guys suck. Sorry, buddy. This isn't fair. Dude brings his basketball to the park, gets dunked on, says, I'm taking my basketball (laughs) and going home. Thank you. This is going to give me a very good gumball one day, and you guys are not going to get to share it with me. So, I wouldn't want to share I wouldn't want to share your gumball. Yeah, you would. Thank you for listening. This has been Last of the Moon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. We appreciate the constant love and support. Uh, follow us at Last of the Moon Pod on Instagram and Last of the Moon Podcast on YouTube. Links in the bio. Venmo us at Wyatt-VanDyke-3. For what? Just because? Venmo cause. Wyatt. I need to know what <laughs> I stand to lose. <laughs> Thank you again. We love you very much. We would last of the moon for you. We hope you would do the same for us. Good night. Good night. Call it. Call it.